Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for being here. We are uh, in Zechariah chapter 5, looking at the 6th and 7th uh, of the visions. So we're looking at, uh, we got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 visions. We're looking at these two right here. These five up here have been, in a sense, messages of blessing. You can see the... Uh, the notes right there, uh, I got a little, the, the visions identified, but the ones that are at the top, the top five, are talking about God is controlling history or God is choosing the priesthood back and he's, he's going to empower Zerubbabel. Uh, he's bringing the people back. These two are going to be talking about, they're like a warning. Uh, they're talking about sin, iniquity, uh, the punishment for it, and that's what we're going to see today. The two that we're going to see in chapter 5 are, uh, the first one is a scroll that's flying, a large scroll that's flying. It's got a couple commandments on it, and it's a curse. It's almost like it's searching for a place to go to bring a curse on the house of the people that are breaking the covenant of the scroll. And then the the seventh one, or the second one in tonight, is... Uh, is iniquity that's going to be removed from the land. And if you look on point three on page one, uh, and again, there's a, I have a lot of questions about what we're looking at tonight. As far I mean, uh, as far as being dogmatic about this is what it means, uh, I'm I, I'm not real sure. Uh, some of the because we're talking, in uh, Zechariah is talking to the, the generation or the exiles that have come back from Babylon. So we're in 519. There are all these visions that are occurring the same night. So we're definitely speaking to the people of 519 B.C. Uh, it's definitely up here. These are definitely talking about, you know, Zerubbabel building the temple. You know, uh, the, you know what are you, O mountain? You're just you're going to become level before Zerubbabel. So, and the priesthood, Joshua, is being restored. This is clearly talking about the current events. Some of it then projects into the future, like eschatological. So, point three, the application or fulfillment of the sixth and seventh vision of chapter five, I write, could occur contemporary, like in 519, in the days of 519 to 516 during the rebuilding of the temple. Uh, I think it's speaking to that. Uh, We'll read through it and you can maybe get a feel one way or the other. Then, in a sense, the immediate future, talking about once it's established, the immediate future going on up into the New Testament times, the generations that are coming up until the time of Christ. Uh, they're going to have to follow this direction, this command. And then eschatological, uh, speaking of the coming kingdom in the, uh, of the Messiah during the millennium. So are we talking about the, w- these two events here, these two visions, are they talking about where this is ultimately heading? So, well, I'll make some points as we go through there, but just understand as I go through this, uh, some of these, these visions, we can be very precise. They're talking to Joshua. They're talking to Zerubbabel. They're talking about rebuilding the temple. They're talking about God is looking for the turning of the Persian Empire and its fall with the rise of Greece. We can see some of those things very clearly in 1 through 5. Um, so as we read through this, I'll read through uh, chapter 5 using the NIV right now. 
Uh, the notes are in the English Standard Version. And then, of course, I've got the Hebrew uh, there in the transliteration and, and translations for you. Here it is, chapter 5, verse 1. The, uh, the sixth uh, vision. I looked again, and there before me was a flying scroll. He asked me, what do you see? That would be the interpreting angels asking Zechariah, what do you see? Again, drawing attention to the vision. I answered, I see a flying scroll, 30 feet long and 15 feet wide. And he said to me, this is the curse that is going out over the whole land. For according to what it says on one side, every thief will be banished, And according to what it says on the other, everyone who swears falsely will be banished. The Lord Almighty declares, I, now here's a quote from the Lord at that time, apparently. You know, he he sees it, and then the interpreting angels talking to Zechariah. Now the Lord declares, I will send it out, and it will, in other words, the Lord's now interpreting the vision himself. I will send it out, and it will enter the house of the thief, And the house of him who swears falsely by my name, it will remain in his house and destroy it, both its timbers and its stones. Okay, this chapter continues. I'll rush on into the next vision. We'll come back and talk about that. Chapter 5, verse 5. Then the angel who was speaking to me came forward and said to me, Look up and see see what this is that is appearing. So now again, this also appears to be flying. It's going to be moving. Uh, I asked, what is it? He replied, it is a measuring basket. It's ephah, actually. And he added, this is the iniquity of the people throughout the land. Then the cover of lead was raised, and there in the basket sat a woman. He said, this is wickedness. And he pushed her back into the basket and pushed the lead cover down over its mouth. Then I looked up, and there before me were two women with the wind in their wings. They had wings like those of a stork, and they lifted up the basket between heaven and earth. Where are they taking the basket? I asked the angel who was speaking to me. He replied, to the country of Babylonia, or actually Shinar, which is Babylonia, to build a house for it. When it is ready, the basket will be set there in its place, or actually it says on a pedestal, on a stand. So a lot is going on in there, and uh, once again, you kind of wish there was like a few more verses of details. Zachariah would have asked a few more questions. And then I wonder, uh, several as I read through that, is it very clear to the people that is reading this in 519, that, that Zechariah is giving this vision. They go, ah, sure, uh-huh, and they, they're tracking with it. Or, you know, now we're 2,500 years away. Or if there's just some things that, you know, I'm missing as far as clearness. Again, so I, as I teach this, I'm, I'm beginning by saying, uh, there are these, some of these things are not like real precise for me, especially when you say Babylon. Are you talking, and I'll, I'll point this out, it goes way back to Genesis. Shinar, the mention of Shinar brings a, a remembrance of the Tower of Babel. Uh, the people, the exiles, just came from Babylonia. Are they sending their own sin, their practices they learned, back to Babylonia in 519? 
or when we get to revelation and in the end times now you start seeing a woman riding a beast and they're in you're in babylon babylon's functioning it's a whole city of, of iniquity is this talking about genesis is this talking about 519 is this talking about the future or is it all tracking together uh i mean there's a, we're, we're looking at all of history as a potential this is pointing to uh using all of that as an example so nonetheless uh um, I'm looking here at the notes on page one, and we'll start going through the English Standard Version and pointing some things out. Uh, I will also, I've got that right above where it says Zechariah 5.1 on page one. Uh, uh, potentially a pattern in the eight visions concerning the scope of the message. Uh, just We talked about this uh, the very first class in Zechariah. But visions one and eight, which we're not talking about tonight, they have a universal perspective, and the omniscience of the Lord is pointed out. Now, vision 3 and 6, tonight we're talking about vision 6, so it would be this one, which is the, the scroll, and 3 are uh, national issues of Judah, particularly in Jerusalem. And so this scroll appears to be talking tonight about Judah in particular, about the houses of Israel, talking about you exiles who have returned, or the people of Judah, the nation itself, continuing on into history, if you are going to be a thief or swear falsely, there's a curse that's going to eliminate you. The word is banish. We'll talk about it. It means to be cut off from the people. It means to be no longer part of the covenant people. You will be removed if you're swearing falsely, using the Lord's name in vain, or you are a thief. You'll be banished. That's the scroll. And that's clearly, I think, and you'll decide, talking about the people of Judah. Then, vision 2 and 7, the second one and number 7, the second one tonight, are international matters and Judah's relationship with the nations. And notice here, you're going to see iniquity that appears to be in Judah is, is in now an ephah or a basket, a measuring basket with a lead cover on it, and it is, is sent, it's sent away. The, wing, the wind is in the wings of the creatures the beings the the angelic creatures the demonic creatures whatever the rulers authorities whatever it is that's carrying that ephah it's going back to shinar so again that's dealing with judah but on a national basis so it's just interesting that pattern continues uh as if like you see potentially a pattern in the eight visions concerning the scope of messages following the a b c d dcba pattern so the first and eighth match the second and the seventh match the third and the uh, sixth match again not that that has anything to do with anything except it's an interesting pattern uh that we see there so here we go chapter five verse two uh oh excuse chapter five verse one again i lifted my eyes and saw and behold a flying scroll now remember last week the angel woke him up now he says i lifted my eyes and saw and behold a flying scroll so this is a scroll and we talk about a scroll we're talking about a scroll that would be rolled up but this is completely open so it's a large scroll it is flying so it uh whatever that means it appears to be moving i would say it's looking for a place it's like investigating it's searching out a place to bring and it's got a command on it, but it, 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 the command is a curse. 
is looking for the people that have broken the command and they're going to receive this curse. It's flying. It gives you the measurements. It's 30 by 15. Now that's in the English translation. Uh, and, and, and he said to me, what do you see? And I answered, I see a flying scroll. Its length is 20 cubits and 10 cubits. Now that's the, the Hebrew measurement. In English, that's 30 by 15. And this is not anything absolute. It may be coincidental. But I've got a picture there of a, the tabernacle. Uh, and the tabernacle is like this. The tent itself, you got the outer court, the bronze basin, the, uh, the bronze altar. Then they come in. Here is the holy place, which was 15 by 15. It's a, it's a cube. Uh, this front part was 30 feet by 15. So the whole thing was 45 by 15 feet, as you can see here. So this, this scroll, when it's unrolled, is as big as the floor plan of the holy place of the temp or the tabernacle. This being the holy place, and this being the most holy place. This is where the Ark of the Covenant sat. So this part of the tabernacle. So you kind of get a picture. It's an unusually large. That's not normal. It's not like oh, it's a thirty foot long scroll, fifteen feet wide. Uh, figure these these walls are what we say. These are. Are these nine-foot walls? I'd say they're nine foot. So uh, this would be, you know, this wide plus another seven feet. Is that nine plus seven? Nine, six feet. And 30 feet long. Uh, it would be bigger than, you know, that wall, even higher. So it's a large floating scroll. Uh, the point of it being open and being seen is that it is clearly readable, and it is understood. There's no, in other words, there's nothing hiding. There's, it's, this, this command is not mysterious. Meaning, if you are in violation of this, it is intentional. Now, as I'm talking about chapter 5, I even began by saying, there's some things I don't really understand. I mean, we want to be held accountable for the Word of God. But there's some things in here I'm going to give you some ideas. I may have an opinion but man, it's not, I, I'm not real sure. It's kind of confusing. Where this is very readable, it's very understandable. Uh, and it's got something written on both sides. Now the next verse will tell you what is written on both sides. Um, point chapter 5, verse 3. Then he said to me, this is the curse. Once again, this, this scroll is the curse that goes out over the face of the whole land. Now, in the, the Hebrew there, you can see it's over the whole earth. The text says over the whole earth. Uh, and that word earth can be interpreted earth or it can be land. And once you translate it as land, are you talking about the land of the whole earth or are you talking about the land of Israel? And I think in context, this is a correct translation. As, I mean, I'm not an expert translator, but... It, it, it can say, oh, the, this, this curse is not talking about going over the whole earth. It's talking here specifically about Judah. Uh, this is the curse that goes over the face of the whole land. For everyone who steals shall be cleaned out, and we'll talk about that word cleaned out, according to what is on one side, and everyone who swears falsely shall be cleaned out according to what is on the other side. So on both sides, one side, it's going to be talking about a thief, 
On the other side, it's going to be talking about swearing falsely, uh, using the Lord's name in vain. Now, if you turn the page, that just happens to be, uh, the, the t- if you've got two tablets, two stone tablets of Moses with the five commandments on one, uh, one through five, and then six through ten on the other, this happens to be uh, the third the third commandment, and this happens to be the eighth commandment. And if you had those stone tablets, here's one stone tablet, uh, one, two, three, four, five. This is the middle commandment right here. And on this one, you've got six, seven, eight, nine, ten. This is the eighth commandment right there. Now, again, does this represent just those two commands? Or is this the middle of these Ten Commandments and the middle of these, excuse me, the middle of these five, the middle of those five, representing all the commands? I, I don't know. This is the one that's pointed out. And I will say this, this is going to end up going into uh, business, uh, commercial transaction, money, finances, is what this all may be connected to, especially when we get into the next vision. And both of these swearing falsely or using the lord's name in vain meaning using the lord or the lord's system using his people to use get some kind of benefit the priests clearly fell into this by the new testament time where they were using their priestly positions to gain wealth and power and prestige and so they in a sense were using that they weren't just uh you know lying they were manipulating uh, the, the cause for their own advantage and so that would be, in a sense, business. A thief would be doing the same thing. Uh, not just, you know, breaking into a, a quick trip or something, but you're using the, the commerce, the economy, business. You're stealing from people, uh, and that's can play into this whole thing. So these two middle ones right here may be filling right into business practices. Not that the other aren't important. Uh, it is possible that when the Jews came back from Babylon, they brought with it some commercial practices. In fact, the Jews by this time were, were, were the first group of people that began banking practices, where they began using the system of banking, and they picked it up and they continued using it. And so there's some Babylonian practices they brought back with them and developed, and that may be part of this. Again, I don't know for sure. It, this may be representing all the Ten Commandments. It may be picking out these two leading towards business corruption. Uh, and I may be off track. It may be different than that. But here it is. Uh, p- page 3, the top of the page. The writing on each side was the commands of the 3rd and 8th of the Ten Commandments. If there were two tablets... Okay, I've, I've said all this. I think these two commands represent the commands. Of the, okay. Uh, point C, these two commands may deal with the greatest temptations of 519 B.C. I've got to think that this 6th vision is dealing with 519 the people of this time period although it could be expanded okay chapter 5 verse 4 on page 3 i will send it out declares the lord of hosts and it shall enter the house of the thief and the house of him who swears falsely by my name and it shall remain in his house and consume it both timber and stones uh, in, in chapter 5, verse 3, uh, we see the same commands. 
but it says this is the curse that goes out over the face of the whole earth for everyone who steals shall be cleaned out you see that phrase cleaned out uh in the english standard on top of page three point two the punishment is shall be expelled in the english standard or shall be cleaned out excuse me shall be expelled in the transliteration or translation of the hebrew text shall be cleaned out is the english standard and the niv says banished the idea there is you're you're being driven from the covenant community you are part of israel but if you break this command you've you've broken the covenant you're outside the the community now and so the 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 word actually means to be cleaned out nekwa uh, means to be cleaned out. If you, if you do one of these things, you'll be cleaned out and removed. Now the Lord speaks in chapter 5, verse 4, I will send it out, this curse, and the reason he's sending it out is to clean out the thief and those who swear falsely or those who use his name in vain. Now when you look at that, when is that actually going to take place? I mean, it can be happening throughout history of God intervening, but there is a day coming in the millennial reign when Jesus Christ returns. He'll send out and all these things will be driven. There'll be the, the sheep on one side, the goats on the other. There'll be a clean break. So yeah, this could refer to 519. But when the Lord says, I will send it out, uh, I mean, it's already functioning since Mount, Mount uh, Sinai. But it appears to be almost like there's going to be a moment where this takes place. So again, you see where I'm, I'm at. It's kind of like, it applies to 519, it applies to all time in history, but there's going to be a moment where we're going to draw a solid line, and you're either on the right or the left, and there's no switching. Uh, and it shall enter the house of the thief and the house of him who swears falsely by my name. See, now that's not just saying lying, that's saying swears falsely by my name. You're saying you're using the Lord's name in vain. That's not just, you know, saying some profanity. That's you playing the religious game, using God's name, and you're actually manipulating the situation, manipulating people, and they're trusting you as a believer, as a Jew, as a Christian, as a follower of Yahweh. But you have no interest in following Yahweh. You just want to use His name. Uh, So swears falsely by my name, and it shall remain in His house and consume it, both timber and stone. Uh, the, the timber, you know, as a house was built, the timber would be the wood. It refers to wood. So you've got wood as far as beams, and the stone would be the foundation and the walls. For example, if we're like, you know, those were a stone wall over there and a stone foundation, that would be the walls and the foundation of the house. The timber would be the beams going across the top. And like we talked about when we talked about Mark chapter 1 when they tore a hole in the roof, uh, then on top of that would be the, the, the grass or the thatch or something, and then the mud. But the beams would be destroyed, the wood. But also, wood was used to panel. Instead of just, they, they didn't live just in rock buildings. They were built out of rock, like that's concrete. But then they'd cover it with paneling. So this is saying, uh, consuming the stones and the timber, the, the whole thing is going to be, this, the walls and all the roof, everything is going to be taken down. And it's permanent. It's going to be consumed. It's permanent. You're never coming back. Again, which seems to speak of, yeah, you can say 519, but seems to be talking about a day of judgment that's going to be coming. Remember, the first five of the visions have been 
promises of God, God choosing Israel, God restoring Israel, God bringing them back, God controlling history, and is going to show favor to his people. But now in verse, or the, the sixth and seventh vision, he's saying, now, if there's any among you who are violating these covenants, you're going to be removed from this people. You're going to re- be removed from the favor, from the blessing, and that, that's what's being. It's a, it's, a, it's a serious warning, and there's no excuse. It's a flying, circling scroll that can be clearly seen that's not rolled up. It's open, and if you're in violation, it's going to hunt you down and find you. Now, this is not the police. This is not the FBI. This is not the Department of Justice. Uh, this is the Lord is search, and so you will be found, you will be judged, you will be consumed, you will be removed, you and the house. Okay, that's that, that sixth vision. Again, a fairly serious uh, vision. Again, talking to the people of 519, check yourselves, but possibly having ultimate fulfillment when Jesus Christ returns and sh- separates the sheep from the goats. Again, you kind of see there's, I've read you the material, and you know you, you can talk now about it forever and how's it all going to fit in but that's what we're working on now this next verse or this next vision uh will have a similar tone to it it's also judgment we've also got to decide what time it's going to take place but there's a whole lot of people or, or characters or situations you're going to have an ephah a, a wicker basket with a woman inside with a lead lid that the interpreting angel is going to lift the lid up and the woman's going to try to crawl out and he's going to push her back in and cover it up. And then two angelic bird-like women with stork wings are going to show up and the wing, wind is going to be in their wi- wings so it's some kind of supernatural force, probably God's will, is taking this thing, this iniquity, the woman represents iniquity, and is going to fly it back to Shinar. Get that out of here. There, it's gone. Well, no, it's not gone. It's gone back to Shinar, or back to Babylon. And there, they're going to build a house, which is, would be a temple, most likely. And at the proper time, it will be completed. And then they're going to set that basket on a pedestal in the temple in Shinar, in Babylon, that was in Judah in 519. It's like, what are the st- storked win- winged women... Why is there a woman in the basket? Uh, why is the lead lid? And what's going to happen to this temple or this house? What's, that's it. And that's the end of the vision. It's like, uh, okay, I've got some questions. I do, but so I'm the teacher, so I'm going to talk about it. That's so I don't even understand it. Here we go. Isn't that encouraging? I can't wait to hear what he has to say. I don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, chapter 5, verse 5. Then the angel who talked with me came forward and said to me, Lift your eyes and see what this is that is going out. Now, going out, we're going to say we're in Judah. We're in Judah in 519, real time, B.C. And there's something going out. It's leaving, it's going. It's it's also flying. Now, there's already a scroll flying around. Now, there's something else flying. And here we go. Okay. Chapter 5, verse 6. And I said, what is it? So do I. What, what is this? And he said, well, this is the basket that is going out. And basket is the word ephah, uh, which is a measuring basket. It's, that's point one. 
It's a measuring basket. It's one of the largest measuring devices or units of Israel. Uh, it's somewhere between 5 and 10 gallons of either liquid or a solid grain. But an ephah would be normally used to measure a, a typical understanding. It'd be wicker of some sort, and you'd put a grain in it, and then you'd sell it. See, this gets back into marketing, commerce possibly. Again, I don't want to read too much into it, but it's hanging right there. Uh, it could be, you know, even the ephah is a measurement. We could be, a deceitful measurements could become involved in this if we go back to the false testimony and the thief. But nonetheless, it's supposed to hold grain. So when you see an ephah, a wicker basket like this, you would expect to see grain in there that's going to be traded or sold or used to cook, bake with. Uh, And I said, what is that? The angel says, this is the basket that is going out. Basket and ephah, a measuring basket. And he said, this is their iniquity in all the land. Now, it would appear to be in the land of Judah, their iniquity. This would be Israel's uh, sin. Now, when we say Israel's sin or their iniquity, are we talking about Judah, the people, the exiles that have returned? They brought back some bad practices. They need to purify themselves. They're not just going to build a temple. You need to get ready for the temple. Are we talking 519? Or is this all time, all Israel, an eschatological event where all of Israel's sin are going to be put here and sent away? Uh, you know, so we got the present or the contemporary or we've got eschatological, but then when the, you say Shinar, it reminds you of the Tower of Babel. All right, so here it is. Uh, some things I got written down. Ephah was the largest measurement. Oh, point B, it, it was too small to hold a woman. So an ephah, although it holds 5 to 10 gallons, you're not going to put a woman in, a, in an ephah, in a 5 to 10 gallon you know, bucket. So this ephah is larger than normal. Or the woman is smaller than normal. So again, I don't have that answer. All I know is there's a woman in an ephah, and an ephah is 5 to 10 gallons. Uh, and what is in there, it's a woman, um, but uh, it's, it's called iniquity. What is in the ephah is iniquity. It's the sin of the land. I'm going to say the sin of Israel. And it's seen as a woman. Now, first of all, the wom- don't, don't get too stressed out about the woman because, aha, sure enough, if we're going to personify sin and iniquity, it's going to be a woman. Okay, right, right. But if you're going to personify wisdom in Proverbs, guess who that is? It's a woman. So it, it, it don't be offended or don't be, you know, it's, that's not the issue. You see in Proverbs, you see the woman folly who's loud and in the streets but you also see the woman wisdom who's also in the streets crying out for, you know, come to me for wisdom. So in this case, you've got a woman is, is representing a character, either wisdom or iniquity. Uh, so I, I don't think it's, you know, I don't just there it is. Why is it a woman? Uh, it could be that it, some commentators would say it, it's a temptation. It's the iniquity of this business transactions of the finances that that's tempting and so the woman is tempting them to get into illegal not illegal but immoral practices financially the thief and swearing falsely and also 
when, when you open the lid, he opens the lid of the ephah, and what would you expect if you had a, a wicker ephah and you had a wicker lid and you open it up, what would you expect to see in there? Grain. But when he opens it up, it's not a wicker lid, it's a lead lid. It's very heavy. And when he opens it up, there's something in there instead of grain. There's this woman, this iniquity. In other words, potentially, iniquity has replaced the grain or the produce that's going to be to benefit the land, uh, the, the fertility, the growth, the economy, has been now replaced by this woman who's a manifestation of, uh, or the personification of, of the thief and uh, swearing falsely in Israel's iniquity, uh, maybe financial gain. And so now everyone is suffering because of this greed that is personified as a woman. Instead of having grain in the basket, you've got this iniquity in the basket. It's like, take this out of here and send it back to Shinar, uh, and yet we're not done, meaning it's going to grow. It, it's, some would even say it's a small woman who's going to grow into a much larger woman as we get into Revelation, and we see this thing. Uh, so in 519, just like we've talked about before, we are potentially the final days, eschatology, has been uh, uh, cycling since the Garden of Eden. It, it was there. The Antichrist could have been Nimrod, but no, it cycled through. God stopped it. Something's holding it back, and then it cycled through. It could have been Pharaoh of Egypt, but no, he hold it back. God's working a plan. Well, here, it could be cycling through right here. Uh, it could want to rise up. Satan maybe wanted to bring about the Antichrist or the end times here, but Jesus is holding it back until the right time, and it's going to be sent, and it's going to have a temple built, and eventually in the future, that woman's going to be let out of the ephah and corrupt the whole world in what we know as the final, you know, the book of Revelation, the, the 70th week. And so it may be just that lid. I mean, it talks about until he who is holding it back is taken out of the way. This may be a picture into, it was trying to manifest here in 519. God says, no, seal it up and take it out of here. We're going to wait for the right time. And we're waiting for that lid to be lifted off for the full manifestation. I'm not saying that's precise. It's just that would fit. All right, let's go back to the notes where I'm fairly safe. Chapter, or point two, this is the iniquity in all the land is literally this. Oh, here, watch this. The word iniquity, like you see up there, five, six, and I said, what is this? He said, this is the basket that is going out. And he said, this is their iniquity in all the land. Now, if you look at the bottom of the Hebrew, where it's, you know, you got to read it right to left. I'm in the bottom line of that little text block there I've got. And he said... It's, you can see the Hebrew word is way yamir. Uh, and he said, this is, and notice that word, E-N-A-M, transliterated in from the Hebrew. It, it is their resemblance. And he said, this is their resemblance throughout the earth. Again, the earth could be literally the earth, or it could be the land of Judah, the land of Israel. And so it doesn't say this is their iniquity throughout the land. It says this is their resemblance throughout the land. Uh, and the, 
the point B there, iniquity or resemblance. Resemblance could refer to the ephah, which is a commercial measuring basket indicating business evil such as false measurements, which would match the thief and the one who swears falsely. And so it could be, that, what is this? This resembles, this represents the iniquity that they've got. It's their iniquity in the land is just like this empty ephah filled with iniquity. It should be an ephah filled with grain where they're fair trade and things are functioning, but they've taken an ephah and put iniquity in it. Get that out of here. It resembles that or it looks like that. Again, against that idea, point two, the word iniquity itself is found in the Septuagint, the, the Greek translation of the Hebrew, and the Syriac translation of the Hebrew. So iniquity makes it into Greek and Syriac translations. So there we, we have the word iniquity sitting there, but it is in the Hebrew text. You can see it right there. It is the word resemblance. Um, you could put them together in the sense that it, this resembles the iniquity that is in the land. So what you see in this basket, it is iniquity. It is a resemblance of what is in the land. Okay, chapter 5, verse 7. And behold, the leaden cover was lifted. Now we're assuming the angel's lifting it up so he can see what's in the... It's just an ephah. It's an ephah. Well, here, look what's in it. It's not just an ephah of grain. Look what's in this. was lifted. And there was a woman sitting in the basket or in the ephah. And I said... And he said, this is wickedness. Now, first of all, the, the basket said it had the iniquity of the land was in there. But when he lifts it up, it's a woman who's now trying to crawl out. She's trying to come out. Uh, you, uh, he said, this is wickedness. And so the woman is, has a name, just like uh, the woman folly, the woman wisdom. This is the woman. This is wickedness. This is her name. Uh, and he thrust her back into the basket. So once again, she's trying to get out, and he pushes her back in and puts the lead lid on to hold her back in there. Uh, now, what was she going to do when she got out? I mean, you know, it's like she's trying to get out. She's already filling the ephah. If she got out, would she continue to have spread throughout, not, not just Israel, but throughout the land or the, the earth? But he thrust her back into the basket and thrust down the leaden weight on its opening in other words to keep her in there chapter 5 verse 9 then i lifted my eyes and saw behold again two women coming forward so now there's two women coming forward the wind was in their wings so these are not just women these are women with wings and what kind of wings they had the wings like the wings of a stork and they lifted up the basket between heaven and earth so there's a basket that was going out, and now he sees the basket. They're showing the basket. But here comes two women, but the women are flying with wings of a stork, with the wind in their wings, meaning some, something's helping them, assisting. They're flying with the wind. Uh, and they lifted up, the, they flew with the basket. Now, storks are an unclean animal in, in, uh, in the law of, of Moses. So it would be fitting that they would be the ones that are carrying. Now, it doesn't say they're storks. It says they've got the wings of a stork. Uh, so the wings of a stork would indicate strength. They're strong. They have strong wings. So these women have strong wings. Uh, but they, they seem to be 
guided by the Lord or the wind is with them, they're, they're, going, they're not you know, like Bob Seger running against the wind. They're flying with the wind, which I would think would indicate they're in doing what God wants them to do. But also the fact that they're, they're women with wings, they're, they're, they're stork wings, and they seem to be assisting the woman and the basket. And they're going to go back with it to Shinar or Babylonia and almost assisted in getting the house built for it. These would most likely be, uh, if you want to go into that category of rulers and authorities and heavenly places, powers and, and uh, dominions, these would possibly be some kind of angelic being that God created, but were in part of the rebellion with Lucifer, and they've been working the plan. And like always, they're going to be these evil spirits that God is using to his advantage. They, they're, they're always, you know, evil spirits come and go, but only at God's direction, only when God allows it. So they would be, hey, we want this back over here. He says, you can take it. And they're taking it back uh, to, for the future. So I'll read it again. Then I lifted up my eyes and saw, and behold, two women coming forward. Now, just like this is no different than when Abraham lifts up his eyes and sees three men coming, and as the story goes, the three men were one was the Lord and the other two were angels. They came as men. These would be women, but they could be spiritual beings. They came forward. The wind was in their wings. Again, what, what does that mean? The wind was in their wings. I told you what I, I think it could mean, but that's not, if you say, well, I think that means something. Well, that could possibly be i don't have like a handbook on what all this means uh they had wings like the wings of a stork and they lifted up the basket between earth and heaven so they are going somewhere with this basket which has in it the iniquity of the land and the woman that comes out of it is wickedness so they're carrying a basket an ephah with wickedness out of israel they're taking the iniquity of israel away which can speak of 519 taking it until a future time but it could also speak of something where the iniquity is removed from the land in a day uh, that would involve christ but when jesus christ comes back he is going to remove from the land all the idols all the impurities and he's going to purify the land again draw that solid line the sheep and the goats are going to be separated. Iniquity and righteousness is going to be separated. Today, things are still mingled together, but he'll make it clear. It may be talking about a future day or both of them. In 519, it began to happen, but it's going to be ultimately fulfilled. But here it goes now. Uh, chapter, page, page 6, the top, chapter 5, verse 10. Then I said to the angel who talked with me, where are they taking the basket? Where are the storked-winged women taking this basket with wickedness in it, which is the iniquity of the land? He said to me, to the land of Shinar. Now, it's going to be translated Babylon in many cases, but the Hebrew is Shinar, which, again, makes your mind go back to Genesis, where the land was first called Shinar, before the Tower of Babel. Uh, to the land of Shinar. And it says, to build a house for it. Giving the impression, they're not taking it so a house can be built for it. They're taking it to build a house for it. These, these winged, stork-winged women 
are picking this basket up and taking the woman back to Shinar where they're going to get together and build a house for it. So are the, the, the two mentioned of women, are they somehow connected? Are the stork-winged women also iniquity or wickedness? To the land of Shinar to build a house for it. And when this is prepared, they will set the basket down there on its base. So, again, to build a house for it, they're going to build a building for this basket. Um, you, it means, and I've got it written down there, that word, uh, where is it at? Point three. House is baith, or uh, a bet, uh, which means house, and it's translated as home 33 times, house 1,534 times, but also temple 36 times. So when it talks about building a house for the Lord, it means the temple. It says house of the Lord, just like uh, 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 Caiaphas lived in a house, a bet. The Lord had a house. Caiaphas had a house with doors and windows and tables. The Lord had a house called a temple. So they're going to go build a house for this basket. Now you've got to decide. Are they going to build a home? Are you going to have a family and some potted plants? Or are they going to build a temple? So now you're t- if, if we go down that line, which seems to make sense, they're going to build a temple in Shinar, ancient Shinar, where the Tower of Babel was built, which was stopped because it wasn't time. But now it's going to be in Babylon. The temple's going to be built. It's going to take some time when it is prepared. I mean, they're not just going to go there uh, and, and have it ready. They're going to be building this. It's going, to have, it's going to be timed. And when it's done, they're going to set the basket in there on a stand, on a pedestal. And that's the word that the... Uh, Point four, there's base. It's uh, makuna. Uh, it means a fixed resting place, a base, and it is the word used to say pedestal or stand. So these two storked winged women are picking up the, the ephah, the basket that's got iniquity of the land or wickedness in it, and flying it out of Judah back to Shinar. I, I keep saying back to Shinar. Assuming it came from Shinar, we're taking it. That's not what the text says, I don't think. But I keep saying that. They're taking it to Babylon, where they're going to build a temple for it. And it's going to have to be prepared, so it's going to take some time. And when that time comes, they're going to set it up on a pedestal or a base uh, in that temple. Okay, and then what's going to happen? Nick's vision. It's like, what? what, what okay. When, when is that house going to be done? Uh, who's doing the building? Are, are, is it a supernatural building? Is it going to be an actual temporal building? Uh, and once it's the, is it just going to be, is this judgment? I mean, is this the end? It's going to be taken away to Babylon, set in a temple, and then put on a pedestal. And that's where iniquity will dwell forever and ever. Well, I mean, I think iniquity should be like removed, not just taken out of Israel and taken to Shinar. It should be like eliminated from history. I mean, when the millennium comes, it's going to be the home of righteousness. There's not going to be like little pockets of iniquity around. Or will there be? I mean, you know, we talk about the millennium. There's going to be 
uh, you know, there's going to be the eternal state, but even during the millennial kingdom, Satan's going to be released at the end of the thousand years and lead the world astray again, which is like, you know, the, the second Gog and Magog, if you want to say the second Gog and Magog. So that's, that's where we end there, and I, I wish I had more insight and more ideas about that. I do have this in Revelation 14, verse 8. Um, I'm going to go there and just read through these. I'm going to see what time it is. In the past, man showed his hubris, his arrogance at the Tower of Babel when they're going to build the tower and God came down and confused the language because they were going to be successful. God said, uh, let us go down and see this thing. He says, if, they, if we don't stop them, anything they put their mind to, they will do it. They, they will be able to do this. We've got to confuse it. So God sent languages, confused them, and they've been filled the earth. And that's where you get the, the cultures, the nations, the races. And that's kind of been a dividing point. Borders, countries, languages, culture of keeping people away from rebuilding this Tower of Babel. And you can see throughout history, uh, we want to talk about it as being peace today. Uh, we talk about the world order. We talk about it being unity but that is always done without God. It's godless. When they take God out, says we're going to come together and we're going to have a, you know, an international whatever. They, they don't come together. They can't bring God into it because there's too many different religions, too di- many different cultures. They've got to take that and try and set it aside and create this unity, this peace, which is actually a false piece because anytime you bring humans together, there's going to be division because of sin nature. There's only one way to have unity, to have peace, and that is in Christ. In Christ, there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, slave or free, all are one in Christ. Satan is trying to get that unity, the power of the nations established without Christ. And so this is... a. Uh, uh, Go to Revelation 14. This is going to be uh, potentially the the plan. And uh, as we see history taking place in our own lives, you can kind of see this push going that direction. Uh, And again, I'll, I'll stop there because you can start building on that, saying many things. But chapter 14, if this is future... And I don't know if it is or not. I, I tend to think it, it, it is because it just goes there and sets in a temple like we're waiting for the judgment to come because this isn't judgment. This is the removal of iniquity from the land of Judah and it goes to Shinar. Uh, here's just some random verses. Chapter uh, 14, uh, verse 6. Then I saw another angel flying in midair and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. And he said in a loud voice, Fear God, because at this point, every nation, tribe, language, and people have been forced or have been attempted to be forced into some kind of world order under the Antichrist with the mark of the beast, unified worship, everything. And again, it's not working because there's still division. There's still the king of the east, the king of the north. They're still fighting. But this angel says to all of them, Fear God and give Him glory because the hour of His judgment has come. 
Worship him who made the heavens and the earth, the sea and the springs of water. A second angel followed and said, so there's the gospel, the, the fear God, the true God. The second angel followed and said, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. Now again, that Babylon is, we would think, is still developing. We've seen signs of it in the past if it be Tower of Babel, if it be Nebuchadnezzar's Babylon, if we see it rising up in Rome or wherever. This is a, yet a future one, but it has fallen. Which made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries. Notice there, her adulteries. And they made all the nations drink this practice, this wine, this philosophy. And could that be the woman was shoved back in the basket and sent to Shinar until the day, and now by this time, she's come out and the whole world is following it. If they hadn't shoved that in the basket in 519, it may have spread at that time. Uh, You see, the third angel followed, verse 9, followed them and said in a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on the forehead or on the hand, he too will drink the wine of God's fury, which is, has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. He will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment rises forever and ever. There is no rest day or night for those who worship. See, it doesn't, doesn't sound like they're building you know, a temple and being set on a pedestal. It sounds like that's being pre- something that's going to be prepared that's going to end up growing, and that woman's going to come out of the basket. It doesn't say that. I'm saying the woman could come out. She wants to come out, but there's a lead lid on it. And as soon as that lead lid is removed, she's going to try to come out again like she did there at the beginning of the vision. So when, that, when judgment comes, all that is going to be removed. Uh, chapter 17, verse 5. Again, these are just random verses. And... Chapter 17, verse 1. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits on many waters. So this, the many waters are clearly the Gentile nations. They are the, the nations of the world. So this prostitute is sitting, ruling, having some authority, influence, the maddening wine of her adulteries on all the nations. With her, kings of the earth committed adultery. And that would be probably committed adultery referred to some kind of spiritual fornication. If they bought into her false philosophy, they bought into her false religion, they bought, bought into her false reality, that, that's, that's a delusion. They committed adultery, and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. They could not think straight. They're intox- they no longer can make a, a logical decision. They've been so drunk, intoxicated with this false philosophy, this false reality, this deconstructed world that she's created, that you can't talk sense to them. They're intoxicated. They're, they're spiritually eliminated from the plan of God. Then the angel came, or the angel carried me away in the spirit into a desert. There I saw a woman 
sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. And now we're getting into the, the seven empires, the ten horns, the ten kings or leaders. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold and precious stones and pearls. She held a golden cup in her hand, watch this, filled with the abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. This title was written on her forehead, Mystery, Babylon the Great. So that woman, again, there's not a clear connection, but this woman is shoved, that's iniquity. She's sent out of Israel to Shinar. Here, the mystery, who is this? It's Babylon. It's Babylon the Great. The mother of prostitutes and the abomination of the earth. I saw the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. Those who refused to buy the false philosophy, those who refused to deconstruct reality, those who held to Jesus, she was drunk on their blood. They had been destroyed by her, maybe throughout history, but especially during this period of time, uh, they're coming against, she's coming against Jesus. When I saw her, I was greatly astonished. And the angel said to me, why are you astonished? Didn't you read Zechariah chapter 5, the seventh vision? I added that part. I don't know. If that, I don't even know if this is connected. I just thought I'd be funny in case you're looking at the clock trying to escape. Then the angel said to me, why are you astonished? I will explain to you the mystery of the woman and of the beast she rides. Now she's riding a beast, which has seven heads and ten horns. That would be the empires she's riding. This woman is riding the empires and which would include the Antichrist. The beast which you saw, well, this gets really not deep, but I, don't, I would like to take time to explain it, but now we're in eschatology. The beast which you saw once was, now is not, and will come out of the abyss and go to his destruction. That's crazy right there. It's, it, it, that means it, that it's, the beast is a spiritual ruler of, of some kind of authority that was then is no longer active it's been removed taken to the abyss but it's going to be released from the abyss again to go back to work and then go to its his destruction the inhabitants of the earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the creation of the world will be astonished when they see the beast because he once was now is not and yet will come so he apparently was active in the old testament during this time, 96 A.D., was inactive because it's been removed, but he will be released again uh, later on, after you say after the church age. It goes on and on talking about that. And then 1810, I'll read 1810, and then we'll be done. All of chapter 18 is the fall of Babylon. Uh, it goes all the way through. Uh, I could read all that, but I want to quit. I'll read verse 9. When the kings of the earth who committed adultery with her, again, committed adultery would be buying into her philosophies, a false world's view, all for gain, temporal gain, and shared her luxury. When they see the smoke of her burning, they will weep and mourn over her. Terrified at her torment, they will stand far off and cry, Woe, woe, O great city, O Babylon, city of power. In one hour your doom has come. The merchants of the earth will weep and mourn. Now that ties into potentially vision six and seven we just read. The merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her because 
No one buys their cargoes anymore. Cargoes of gold. He goes through a huge list of all the products, including at the very end, verse 13, uh, olive oil and fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and carriages, probably electric cars, and the bodies and souls of men. Right there, part in the end time. People talk about slavery uh, and how it, 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 it's gone. I, we know it's still happening in places, but in, in the, the, the tribulation, the Antichrist kingdom, slavery will be a real deal. Possibly because the elite have driven so many people into poverty, the middle class into poverty, your only option is, is slavery. Survival would be slavery. And they're selling, that, that's part of the commodity. Right now, the middle class can buy and sell. But if the elite continue to drive them the direction they're trying, there's, you're, you're going to be given a number, you're going to be given a meal, an assignment, and uh, sold. I mean, that, that is your only hope for survival. Uh, that's the way, it, the way it ends, at least. Anyway, woe, woe, oh great city, dressed in fine linen and purple, and goes on like that. I don't know if there's a connection to that or not, but those are the visions six and seven. Uh, again, in review, the f- number six was uh, Israel. Is, is, uh, a scroll is circling over Judah, threatening to destroy the thief and the one who swears falsely, uh, which are basically the third and eighth commandment. And the next one is the iniquity of the people is put in a basket, which is now a woman called wickedness and is carried to shinar to get it out of the land of israel and there it's repaired a temple which appears when it's ready to be set on a pedestal and then what's going to happen uh, it there's a, it's a again it's not just a shrine for worship when we talk about worship and false gods you've you've always got to think about the philosophy the the thinking behind it not just oh we worship this this item it's like there's a whole system of reality behind that or that it represents. And if you worship, and that's the same thing. When you worship Jesus Christ, you're going to have to embrace him as creator. And then you're going to have to cre- embrace the reality that he has created. For example, male and female, you know, marriage, uh, some institutions that he's established, nations that he's established. I mean, so it's going to come to a point where, like I've said before, and I'll quit, is persecution is coming, uh, not because it's like, oh, how do you know? Well, it's, it's always there. The world is always, the cosmos, Satan is always against the Word of God, against Jesus Christ. And it would be nice, and I've said this before, if persecution could be reduced to something simple like, do you believe in Jesus Christ? as your lord and savior it's like well yes i do and then they cut your head off do you believe the word of god the bible is the the authoritative word of god yes i do and then they cut your head off but to believe in jesus means you also believe in him as creator and reality and it could end up being some tangent of reality that they take you down on like do you believe in two genders yeah Oh, we're going to cut your head. It's like, ask me if I believe in Jesus. Because, because I believe in Jesus. I believe he created male and man and woman. I believe he says, I created them from the beginning. This is the way it was. And so now you're going to end up being out here on some tangent 
to confess the reality of Jesus is some part of his, and you're going to end up being persecuted because of, it's, it's a big deal, but I wish we could keep it kind of more focused on something, and you, you're going to die because you don't believe there's more than two genders. It's like, what? He, uh, mar- I was martyred for the sake of genders? It's like, and so I kind of want something a little more glorious than some trivial uh, but that may, that may I, you know, when it says, because of the, uh, the, their testimony of Jesus, is it going to be just the testimony of Jesus? Or is it going to be this umbrella of what Jesus represents and his reality that he's created? And you're holding to these things instead of going off into the false philosophy, you're holding to this firm foundation of reality, and that's what you're going to die for. Do you understand what I'm saying, if that makes sense? And so... I wish it was as simple as, yes, I believe in Jesus, and this is the Bible, kill me. It's like, no, 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 do you believe in transgender? Do you believe there's, it's like, no, I don't. We're going to kill you. It's like, oh. Give me something good to die for. Okay, I'll pray, and if you've got any questions, uh, maybe you understand the chapter better than I did, uh, feel free. Father, we do thank you for the chance to look into these things. We thank you for your word and the reality that you've created for us. We ask that we would understand it both in its natural and supernatural state, both in the the general revelation and the special revelation that we could apply these things to our life, that we could walk in the light in our lives and share and reflect that light for others to follow. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for your time.